coming to you live from Chicago. It's the fabulous 10-point podcast, Rhythm and Blues Review. My name is Bruce, and it saddens and hurts me that the two young men that I raised to believe in the Ten Commandments have returned to me as two podcasters with filthy mouths and bad <laughs> attitudes. First, he'll have some dry white toast. It's Chris. You know, I can't remember <laughs> what he said. That's all he wanted was his dry white toast. And second, bring him four fried chickens and a Coke. It's Andy. What a meal that is. I do want four <laughs> fried chickens right now. Uh, what was it? Not wings, not legs. Four, four. fried chickens. Can you imagine if KFC did four fried chickens? That'd be fucking brilliant. <laughs> Call it the, the Belushi meal or something like that. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, before we go any further, though, for those who are watching on the video, you've noticed, but those that aren't watching uh, are only listening, Andy is in full... I, I'm guessing it's it's Jake Blues or are you Elwood Blues, Andy? I don't know. I forgot to write anything on my knuckles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to... Uh, Andy has dressed dressed the part, whereas Chris and I are, are letting the team down here. We're we're in our casuals, but <laughs> he he looks good. Is Andy? Uh, we are the Ten Point Podcast, uh, not a rhythm and blues band blues band as of yet. You can find us at tenpointpodcast.com and all your podcast apps. And as I mentioned on YouTube, you can find video versions of all the shows. Get in contact with us, Twitter, Facebook. We want to hear from you. Ten Point Podcast on both of those. Send us emails at tenpointpodcast.com. Our email address is there too. And you can email us about any sort of sponsorship and anything you want to fund the podcast. And your new beer sponsor. We do. Is, is our last uh, one running out, is it? Yeah. They didn't actually pay anything. They've been getting free advertisement all this time. Uh, we're we're kind of like what the Blues Brothers were. were uh, our <laughs> podcast costs X amount and you spend as much <laughs> on beer. So many legal cash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, templatepodcast.com for all your template podcast stuff. Before we get on to this week's episode, what have we watched in the last week? I have not watched a single film in the last week, so I'm willing to let one of the other chaps lead off. Chris, I, I watched Chris something. reacted. Oh, on you I go, watched, Andy. I watched one this time, I remember the film. Mm-hmm. Utterly, utterly pish and absolutely shit. Avoid like the plague, the 355. Right, okay. Because it is dog shit. It's... <laughs> It made Haywire look like an Oscar-winning film. Oh my goodness! Okay. Like, and we've done. Oh, Haywire. I like Haywire. Haywire was well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 you liked Haywire, don't bother with this film because right. Haywire again. <laughs> Haywire is like, Haywire is on steroids compared to this film. Just everything about it was shit. Nothing I original. There's loads of stars in C55. Like yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's like right. an all, it's an all kind of like thingy female cast, but utterly shit. And then they've got uh, the Winter the, uh, Soldiers in it. So it's rare that a film with that much star power comes out, and then you hear hear nothing about it, see nothing about it, and all of a sudden it comes out, which is always a bad sign for a film like that. So, and I am missing a premiere. I was meant to go and watch Moonfall or whatever it was tonight, but I didn't. I had to do this instead. Not sure so. about that film. I'm so going to go give it a bash because I do love a end of the world uh, disaster movie when I when I can get. Especially one, when so. the moon attacks, that looks pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's, exactly. who's seen that coming? So yeah, I'm doing a double build tomorrow. It's going to be Moonfall and Jackass. And Jackass, yeah. Jackass double build. I'm going to see that. I feel like my better half doesn't want to see it at all, so I might have to go myself, which is not going to be an awful lot of fun. But the uh, I'll, I'll go watch Jackass, I would imagine. Uh, Chris, what have you seen in the last week? Uh, I haven't watched any films, but I blasted through the, the woman in the house across the street from the woman in the window who <laughs> lives in Mordor, blah, blah, blah. Right. That massive long title TV series. Uh, blasted to that in one night, and I wish I hadn't because it was utter shit. 
Right, okay. I'll See, I was going to watch it, and that's exactly the reviews I've heard, and I was like, nah, okay, <laughs> I'm not bothering with that. Yeah, it's like a, a parody of, like, other, you know, like, Disturb Your Like films, or somebody's, like, housebound, and they see things happen. You it's mean, like that. Bly the movie? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, like Rear Window, I would imagine, with the original uh, yeah, version. Whatever, like, the first episodes, I was watching it with Nicola, and she went, this is like, this is awfully familiar. If this is what I'm thinking of, this person is the killer. And she'd got it within the first half hour of, <laughs> like, the, of the episode. Doesn't Carson Bell get titties out, though? I don't know if they'll sleep. <laughs> uh, I mean, that might, be a, that might be a record. I think that's four minutes in, and Andy's <laughs> already got onto breasts. I think that might be the earliest he's ever done it. I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, speaking of breasts, I'm going to start watching Pam and Tommy later on tonight. <laughs> uh, I saw the first episode this week. Uh, I'm not convinced either way yet. I went into it very apprehensively. I said, this could be horrific, or it could be quite good. So far, it's not quite as funny after one episode as I hoped it would be. Yeah. But it is also quite funny. Like it, it's not played straight. Mm. Um, but yeah, the first episode, uh, Pamela Anderson, I can't remember, is it Lily James that we caught playing her? She's barely in it. Like I don't, she's barely in that episode. It's all Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee uh, and uh, Seth Rogen as his. You character. absolutely nailed that by. It looks exactly like him. It does look exactly like him. Yeah, uh, and I, but the way he's acting, it seems like he's acting like him, and that makes me not like Tommy Lee after one episode. So the first episode, <laughs> I think it's intentionally. I really don't like him, so I do not feel bad for him at this point. But that's after one episode. But yeah, I've only tried it once. It's three now, and then one a week for like the next couple of months or something like that. I think for for Pam and Tommy. But uh, yeah, one episode in, I'm okay on what it. What is with that? That's what Peacemaker did as well. They released three episodes and one a week. It's like I want it all now. And also, other ones, Marvel Netflix ones have done above everybody else. Yeah, yeah, Marvel have done two and then one a week as yeah. well. So it must be it must be the way to do it. They must hook people better that way. I don't know. Strange. Thirsty. Hi. Has it got one each side? I feel like you go that way. Stephen. Charles is hiding under the tables, hiding on beers every couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't watched any other films. So Mando, uh, i.e. Boba Fett, is the oh. only other thing I've watched. And we've now peaked. Ready for the last episode, so it's it's well and truly not Boba series anymore. It's back to yeah. being just full on. As I said to Andy before we started, it's really the Star Wars Episode Seven we didn't get is what's happening now, isn't it? It's it's everything. It's old Star Wars, new Star Wars, all mixed together up into one. And I think everybody likes it. I've not heard someone say it's bad yet. So uh, the, uh, the nothing bad with the Mantle's bad. Exactly. Yeah, you, ba- you basically himself. just got to sit with your underwear off and watch it. It's a Star <laughs> Wars fan wet dream right there. And we better get on with this week's podcast. <laughs> On to point one on the podcast this week. What is the point? It's point one. The point this week is the 1980 action-adventure comedy crime musical The Blues Brothers. That's a mouthful and a half. <laughs> brought, to us, brought to us by Universal Pictures. We have done 11 times before we have yeah. done Universal Pictures. Highs and lows are things like Jaws, Howard the Duck, Street Fighter, <laughs> Waterworld, and The Dead Don't Die. So, That's yeah, a lot that, of highs there. That was a, a, a 7 and a 3, a 4, a 7 and a 3 they got. <laughs> so, and a, a bunch in between. Uh, but 11 different times. This is the 12th Universal Picture we've done. The Blues Brothers, based on the Blues and Soul band of the same name, invented by Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi for a sketch on Saturday Night Live. It devolved out of another idea they had for a band that was like some sort of B-based yeah. band for the Dress of the Bees, that were, I believe I read, the first ever returning character on Saturday Night Live was the B-style band. and then It's uh, on YouTube, was, it's hilarious. Yeah, allegedly because the first time they did the B-band, 
the notes from the network to Lorne Michaels were, that was a really good show, but we don't want the bees. So out of spite, they put the bees on every episode for the rest <laughs> of that season, <laughs> just despite the network they were on. And then it, it changed into The Blues Brothers, what it became. And then they brought us onto a film in 1980, co-written and directed by John Landis, famous for being involved in Animal House before doing The Blues Brothers, and then went on to do American Wolf in London, Trading Places. He directed The Three Amigos that we did the last season on the podcast, Coming to America, and then he also was involved with Blues Brothers 2000, the sequel that came out 20 years after this one. This film also co-written and starring as Elwood Blues, Dan Aykroyd a writer and star of things like Saturday Night Live, Blues Brothers, Coneheads and Ghostbusters. They were the main things that he wrote and starred in. He has starred in a bunch of other things throughout his career but often gravitates back to Blues Brothers and Ghostbusters style things. And the, the other main star of the film as Juliet Jake Blues was John Belushi famous for Saturday Night Live, a film called 1941 I'm unaware of, and then Animal House before being in the Blues Brothers, and that's essentially where his career peaked because he died two years after the film was released, so he didn't really do much afterwards. He died uh, at a young age of, I can't even remember why, mysterious kind of... And I've definitely not been doing the same stuff, I just a COVID test again. And once again, selected 10 minutes for the podcast. (laughs) It's a COVID test. (laughs) Tickles my nose. Uh, okay, back to the Blues Brothers. On an alleged budget of $27 million, but the, the number actually fluctuates and they went way over time, way over budget, money here, there and everywhere. So, and Andy, have you got an actual number how much they wasted on this? Sometimes you throw numbers out at me because you've done some trivia. No, but it? like, if it is $25 million, shows you what you could do with $25 million, compared exactly. to some of the other gash we've watched. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Most films, I would say, have probably twice that budget that we do. Uh, yes. but And of course, this is 1980, which is quite an old one for us. So we're 27 million, but it might be more. Opened in the US for just $5 million. Its final US growth, however, was $57 million. Final worldwide takings were $115 million, making a big profit back in the 1980s. Released 20th of June, 1980 means that it was available for some award ceremonies. It had, in its history, two award nominations only ever, this film. What? Only two. And they were as follows. Nominated at the 1981 Motion Picture Sound Editors Awards, nominated for Best Sound Editing, where it won. And its second nomination was at the 1984... (laughs) <laughs> Turkish Film Critics Awards, where it came fourth place in the Best Foreign Film category, behind, in third place, Gloria, an Oscar-nominated film from a couple of years later. In second place, De Ihi Der Maria Braun, uh, I believe a German film that I don't know much about, but the winner of the 1984 Turkish Film Critics uh, Foreign Award was Being There, an Oscar-nominated film, again, from a couple of years after Blues Brothers came out. So I don't know why Blues Brothers came to Turkey so much later than it did uh, the rest of the world. got lost in the boat when they were Must shipping over. Uh, and that's it. It was not nominated to any other awards ceremony whatsoever, was the Blues Brothers. No comedy ones. Obviously, 1980s is about well, probably a quarter as many movie awards ceremonies as there are nowadays. But yeah, not one shout to anything else. Well, it might win However, something at our pointies. It might do. I'm sure it will one way or another win something, because most films do. However, the Blues Brothers <laughs> in, na- in 2020 was selected by the US National Film Preservation Board. So it is good enough to be like historically important and needs to be preserved for future generations. So I'm not sure if it's a bigger, a bigger honour or, or not than winning the, the what was it, the uh, best sound editing at the awards. <laughs> but it's certainly important enough to necessitate that. But 
other awards mentioned whatsoever. I have a synopsis on the Blues Brothers by our frequent contributor Nick has written this for us. And once again, I'm not reading this ahead of time. <clears throat> I can't remember. I think he might be the wordy one. If not, he does, yeah. he does like to say the thing. After three long years in the Juliet Penitentiary, Jake Blues reunites with his brother Elwood, the other half of the Blues Brothers, their small R&B band. Reared in a Catholic orphanage, the brothers pay a visit to the old place, only to find out that the institution is in jeopardy unless they raise $5,000 to pay the taxes. With this in mind, the Blues Brothers set out on a mission from God to salvage the orphanage by getting the band back together, playing at gigs where friends like Aretha Franklin, Cab Calloway and Ray Charles, amongst many others, await in the most unlikely places. However, in this fundraising quest, the brothers will be up against the forces of darkness, including a posse of suburban (laughs) cops, a team of furious country singers and a bunch of avenging Nazis. Now, against the backdrop of great music, endless car chases and explosive destruction, will the Blues Brothers manage to save their beloved home? He always ends with a question as well. Uh, that's what the film was about. Who picked it? It was Andy. Andy, tell us why you picked this. It's a banger. <laughs> Pretty much it. I know Chris hates musicals. I hate musicals. But I like this film. And I've watched it a couple of times before. A couple of times. I've got several seen this before i own this on dvd i've got the dvd two set with this and 2000 i reckon i've watched 2000 once and i've watched this about 12 times <laughs> i've definitely seen it i've never watched it at andy's house but i've went into this like i've never seen it before right it's been that long since i've watched it chantelle oh, okay. was the same uh, she was like cha- she had no idea what she remembered watching this film she knows the songs but the storyline no idea which we'll definitely come on to in a second which channel we normally on i'm not sure about this one andy you're usually my tv person channel four Channel 4. Maybe Channel 4, yeah. Channel, Channel 4, Film 4. So which version is the question I usually ask at this point? I, like I say, I've got the DVD, so I have only ever seen whatever DVD version it was, but on this occasion, we all got to share Andy's Collector's Edition. So this had oh. 18 minutes more than my normal one does on Andy's special Collector's Edition that we all watched, uh, which I did not find out until I'd finished. And I was like, Christ, that was so long. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, 18 yes, minutes longer. Well, I missed the extra. Uh, pretty much every single song has an extra verse, every single scene right. has an extra couple of shots. It is, it's quite literally the best ever, let's just make the same thing bigger, and it's, it's 18 minutes I think throughout, because first of all look, my first low point, which doesn't really matter anymore was, I do not remember it being six and a half <laughs> minutes until Jake got out of prison in this song, which is in the extended version, was the next the bit where he gets whacked on the head with the, the truncheon, uh, that's not in the, the normal one, it's only in the collector's edition. But um, yeah, that was my first time watching that one before. But I'm assuming Andy has seen it before. Uh, that's us, I think. Before we get into the film, I think I've gone through everything. So point two is the high points. Andy pick. I think Andy gets to go first. So I normally hate long slow starts, but this long slow start actually worked quite well. And I remember watching this film the first time. I was like. This film's shite. Like, I don't get it. But like I said, like, in Misery, I don't mind a long, slow, boring bit if the payoff's good. And I feel like the Blues Brothers, every long, slow scene ended up having a good payoff and there was a reason for it to be long and slow. And that was the same as the start. I really enjoyed it. The start wouldn't have bothered me if it started from when it... You know that you've seen the dog in the prison yard or the little statue, wherever it was? If it started from there... Instead of the stupid long shot of, I'm assuming it was Chicago. Yeah. I don't know why that's in the film. Like, there's no real reason for that shot. I think it's to make it look like a shithole. 
I don't know if Chicago is a shithole, but... I guess so. It looks like a shithole. I also... Also, I forgot to check whether this or Blade Runner came out first, because Blade Runner literally has the same shot, but in the future, which is obviously inspired by a similar sort of... Yeah. Like, they saw that and made it in Blade Runner, but I don't know if this is parodying that, referencing that, or Blade Runner saw this and thought, we'll do that in the future, but yeah. I don't know. got me thinking. Is that the same prison that was used in the uh, prison break? Because that was shot in Chicago. I don't know, maybe. You tell me. I don't know. You're normally the fun fact, man. I was just when I was what he was walking out, I was like, that looks awful familiar. And I just thought it might have been the Fox thing, whatever it's that called. Could be, could be, could be like something they own, yeah. Uh, speaking of the, the long setup, it works because of the bit that's right behind Andy on the video where Jake is at the gate and then the first bit of music hits. Yeah. And mm. it's because I was once again watching my headphones on. So therefore, because nothing's happening, I had the volume unbelievably <laughs> turned up quite loud. And I could just, you could hear everything happening and the conversation was on level. And then when the music hit, it was really loud in my head. It didn't deafen me, but it was loud and impactful. And it really worked because it had six and a half minutes of just silence up to that point. Plus, but I yeah, love that, the, the that subtle humour. That's minutes longer than normal, I reckon, like, that as well. So. Prophylactic. What? Like, who calls that prophylactic? Uh, <laughs> there's no need for that. Like, sorry, <laughs> an unused one, but like, one use. I was like, why? Who why carries it around? Why keep it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what was he doing to be arrested with a used prophylactic in his pocket? Was he, was he, was he, said that I thought he was robbing something, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was robbing uh, a convenience yeah. store. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Just has it on his person. <laughs> oh, God. At least we know he's not uh, a letter bug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my first one is, like, literally that scene is pretty ballsy to rock up to a police station, a uh, prison, in a police car. <laughs> Yeah, but he bought it legally at an auction. Very cheap for the sound. But but as like later we found out, he didn't actually have like uh, insurance or a driving license or whatever. So it does make that scene a lot more ballsy. When you <laughs> when you get to the end of the film and you see I don't know the entire I don't know force of America are facing that building, <laughs> and it all started because Elwood didn't have a driver's license and had outstanding penalties, and it's like if he just paid that off and just been fine. All of them, they just kind of played gigs, made money, and saved the, the thing. Yeah. It would have been so much easier if we'd just done that. <laughs> uh, which takes me back to my first high point, which is the scene where they meet the penguin. Uh, yeah, the penguin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially because Jake drops the first F bomb of the film, saying he's not going in, like, yeah. uh, and ends up getting forced in. Scene where, like, uh, grab a seat, and they look around and there aren't any seats, and they have to yeah. go get the desks over. And- and of course, they get in first, and then they have to shuffle over and all that. But then, where uh, one of them says Jesus Christ, then he yeah. hits him, another one, and then it, like every time they swear, get hit with a stick is it, it, really good. I really enjoyed that bit. And then him getting chased and falling <laughs> all the way down the stairs <laughs> in the desk as well. And her superpowers as well. Uh, yeah. I very much like the, the penguin scene at the beginning. I remember we see her a lot, but that's the only scene she's in, is just that, yeah. that first one. So, yeah, I've got her in my head from other films, which I'm kind of, I think, sticking into this film. Yeah, uh, but I generally thought this was a family. I was it, I forgot about the swearing, like literally. But as soon as it said like "fuck," please tell me like, you started watching this with the kids. Like a PG. <laughs> the um, yeah, there is more in the the collector's edition than the normal one. There's a few. There's a few scenes where you can see that they could easily edit for television because this is a, a film that they show on TV during the day in America quite a lot because a lot of the swearing is covered by faces or the face in the wrong way or they're in the car and you don't see them so, so they can mm. edit the swearing out quite a lot in it. But yeah, it's very a very sweary. We'll get onto that on point four, obviously. Uh, Andy, any more high points? Uh, pretty much any scene where there's songs and dancing, like. There's, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a bad one. 
Like there were songs no. when I first watched this as a kid. I was like, Ugh. but they've grown on me, and like they're proper, like upbeat and funky, and like even I like really enjoyed Sync this time. Yeah, I never in the past thought, oh, I love that scene in the diner, but the song and everything that's going on, I really enjoyed that yeah. scene. There's something about the way that the Blues Brothers, specifically the two of them, dance, where. <laughs> at the same time, they're equally horrific and really good. I generally also... thought I had, couldn't dance at all, but seeing uh, as at the Edge show, um, Elwood dancing along that thing, oh, just, yeah. that is yeah. the most stupid dance I've ever just, seen. But I think it's equally really bad oh, and yeah. really good as well. It's impossible to do that dance. They're not trying, but also like, absolutely trying their heart out as well. I don't know, they've found this, this middle point where it's so much talent and non-talent all mixed up into one. It's an amazing... I just love the way they dance. Speaking of talent, like the the sermon with... Um, oh, what's it called? James Brown. James yeah. Brown, yeah. I'm not a religious guy, but I'd love to go and see oh, I've always proper... I've always said this to Chantel, like, I, I want to go to, like, a uh, kind of black church revival type thing yes they look absolutely amazing and i I think that can make the most miserable person yeah upbeat because i i always remember watching this as a kid and that was always my like i hated that one that was the one i just it was so annoying but as i've got older like fuck me this is uplifting i believe in jesus i just want to stand up and just go (laughs) hallelujah like every time it just gets me buzzing yeah it's it's, it's the worst song because it's like it's it's just he, like I know it's this time J, uh, James Brown barely sings during the song. He just kind of makes yeah. noises throughout. Um, but yeah, in terms of but yeah, I was saying you find yourself just kind of tapping your toe away to it, and it's like yeah, I remember the same being like, oh get get past this bit and go yeah. to the good songs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's not John Belushi doing the backflips, is it? Yeah, that is he actually him. He can do flips because he used to do yeah. on Saturday Night Live, which you can't really get a stunt double to do that. Yeah, apart apparently but, most of the stuff in this is him because he really wanted to do it, which also would say why their cocaine budget was quite high as well because apparently <laughs> it in, like, enriched his performances as he would say <laughs> okay. so I, I think it allowed him to do backflips and there's one scene really where you could, you could quite clearly see he backflips yeah. and literally the camera doesn't cut away and he stands up and it is him yeah. like it's not one of them ones where they cut completely and he suddenly jumps in yeah. it is literally yeah, him I thought they just done that really well because he does the backflips down the aisle of yeah. the church and it's literally a split second but his face is gone, and then he turns to Jake, and I was like, uh, Elway, and I was like, that is a really yeah. good like, cutaway yeah. there, if that's not him. But, it would, uh, it'd be tough, to, I think it would also be tough to get a, 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 a kind of stuntman who could do that, that's the same shape and size. As yeah, oh, you could pad it. Quite it unique, it's <laughs> quite a unique size. <laughs> uh, so my next high point I've got is the car chase in the shopping mall is one, yes. of, the, one of the most outstanding yeah. memories of this film, is them driving through. So the actual, I have, I have a high and a low coming from so I might as well do them both at the same time here but it's a really good fun scene I enjoy it and it's they have quite good quips and the cars jumping off stuff and turning upside down and spinning around and I remember it and the, the music's really got beat through it as well but watching it this time there's a bit more kind of closely watching it they quite clearly are not hiding the fact that they're trying to drive into everything so as oh yeah, yeah as part of the story, it's like, oh, they're trying to get away and they're wrecking it. But when you actually watch it as a film, they're just driving head first. Even the police cars are just driving head first into things and they could yeah. just not have done it. And it, See, it I remember them, like, it looked more like they were just like skidding around corners and things. No, they're going, oh, look, there's a bagel shop. Smash. Yeah. Exactly. And they're just driving along. Oh, look, oh, there's um, when they start Pier 1. Smash. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but yeah, it's, they're not trying to get away. They're trying to wreck the, the place. The, the fun fact in that is that is actually a real um, mall which was shutting down. 
So they basically, rather than get a demolition crew in, they basically said, we'll take it and we'll <laughs> buy the stock and we'll destroy it. <laughs> and that's that's I actually saved them an absolute ton of money on the budget. My only flaw with that scene is where you can see all the tire marks where they've done it before and they've had to reset things. Ah, I, didn't oh, I never noticed that. I didn't notice that either. So that's yeah, cool. What I did lo- notice is two guys run straight into the camera and not yes. the camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's next for the high point then? Uh, I'll go. Um, I think it's after the that is when they're going to Elwood's hotel and they nearly get blown up by the RPG of Carrie Fisher. I've pretty much got Carrie Fisher's entire story arc in this film. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, her just showing up, like you say, with a rocket. Like, it's, she shows up, you're kind of like, like, I guess for the first time, but I, I knew it was happening. But it's oh, that's Carrie Fisher. She's quite a big star at this point. It's yeah. between Star Warses or yeah. somewhere. In the, so she's quite a big star at that point. She turns up, oh, she's in this film. <laughs> it's like this massive like, <laughs> rocket launcher thing. I generally thought it's because cause you haven't found out what he's done to get put in prison. I thought it was something he'd done. And he's, she's trying to kill him for it. Yeah. yeah. It was when you found out, like, he robbed the convenience store. He's like, well, it can't be for that. So. Yeah. And then but she shows like, up, what, the flamethrower uh, at the <laughs> phone box. I had completely forgotten that. I, I did not remember that happening. That's another. Well, it's just something else. It was, was the morning after with the C4. Oh, and they're yeah. asleep. And yeah. you just see them crumple on top of each other. That's actually one of my next high points is that scene. Because yeah. they're fucked. They're in a small that You yeah. see the place. It's like. How are they getting out of this? Yeah, and then just yeah. the whole building collapses, and they just get up and walk away. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's it's so really well stupid. done as well. Yeah, the, stupid. It, it looks like a building being collapsed. Like it doesn't look like it's like I don't know special effects or that. It yeah. looks really good. But yeah, you're right. It was a good way of getting them. It's a, a good way for them getting them out of a proper tight corner. Although, like, there the, the, had to be deaths there. <laughs> 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 People die. <laughs> uh, so uh, speaking of the Fisher, I'll mention it now. It is so good that I have to give it a high point. Is when she's working on something, I think she was writing out something, you can see that she works in a place. It's called Curl Up and Die, which I think yeah. is an amazing name for a beauty salon. <laughs> and I thought, especially because her character is the murderer on this murderer's rampage. I thought Curl Up and Die is absolutely perfect. And I had to give that a high point on its own. So that was my that was my next high point. My kind of like on like big underlying high point is literally how actual simple the story is and how stupid the actual payoff is and what happens it's like they just got to get five thousand dollars and it's for a really 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 good cause yeah and he could easily go and steal it but the penguin obviously doesn't want him to and it's like it's such a simple story and i actually keep forgetting how simple the story actually is yeah it's just that is there's a period of about maybe 40 minutes in the well, in our version that we watched, the 40 minutes in the middle of the film where it just goes, when they're getting the band back together, it's like they go there, a wee song happens, and then they go there, and a wee song happens, and then they go, we get, we get the instruments, and then a wee song happens. So there's actually not much of the way of story progression for about 40 minutes, because it's just, mm. but it's good song after good song after fun scene after fun, like, it's, it's good stuff the whole way through. So there's a massive chunk I of the film. The is the dining scene where they're just sitting there causing chaos, <laughs> just uh, eating food. How much for the kid? <laughs> <laughs> How much money we make? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really, one of the funniest scenes. The uh, the reaction that the guy, of course, like I've mentioned so far, the entire band that isn't the Blues Brothers are just musicians. Like they're they're not actors; they're essentially musicians yeah. playing themselves. I don't feel like any one of them lets the team down at all. They're all really good at what they need to do, and even the guy who works it, whatever it's called, she. Thingy, uh-huh. Shay Ray, 
whatever it's called. He has to do proper acting, and he's really good at it. He's like, I thought you had five years. So <laughs> that, that sort of stuff is, is really good. I must, um, well, right now, I'm going to give a shout out. It's not a high point or a low point, low point but he is my favourite person in this film that's just in the background. And it's uh, Duck, the guy with the, the pipe. Pipe, he, massive hair. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like I can't give him a high point, low point. Or even, I don't even think a nomination. He's just amazing They're in the background all the time. He's, he, I've nominated him, so don't you worry. All right, good, I've, good. I've, I've, I've got a nomination. But yeah, Donald good. Duck Dunn yeah. is his name. <laughs> He's absolutely so, amazing. Uh, what a legend. Because uh, he was in the he was part of the, the Magic Tones, wasn't he? Yeah. Was his, he was part of there. Right, so my next high point is is the big gig. But specifically, the massive build-up entrance <laughs> to them coming on. The crowd has just been going mad for Cab Calloway and Manny the Mitchell and all that. And it's like built-up, built-up. And then they come up to the stage... And then there's just nothing. <laughs> the crowd do not ra- react one little bit, which is really, really funny. I love that scene. I also I really like that the when the police arrive, just the way they come in makes it seem big and important and urgent. It's really well. And then you go into everybody needs somebody to love, whatever it's covered the songs, whatever yeah. the title actually is. Um, it was an old timer of a, a music like piece in a film, which I've heard too much to love. Like a lot, like I don't love that song anymore, but it's it's a great scene, uh, and then they just play. So yeah, the the actual big gig itself, I would say, is my next high point. It's just like yeah, I agree with like add bits to that. It's just like John Candy and stuff like that. Just his little things. It's like because he would. It's like right, we've chased these guys across a few like whatever, a few towns, yeah. even maybe a state line or whatever. I want to see what they do. Yeah, I, I would do that. Let them play. Yeah. And and, yeah. and then like I've always wondered what an orange whip was because Bly used to always say, "Do you want an orange whip?" It was always Bly's gimmick when we went to a pub. Orange whips, orange whips. Never got one. Never knew what it is. However, I had to Google it. I totally would have one of those. They're amazing. What is it then? I don't know. So it's vodka, orange juice, uh, and whipped cream, and it is actually all mixed together. Right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's got some rum in there as well. It sounds nice. Mm-hmm. I totally, I totally okay. drink that. So Give orange whips at the wedding. Have an orange yeah, I say next time we're all together. The last guy, he was not buying it. He was. No. He just stared back at John. Oh, yeah. Three orange whips. There's also <laughs> on, on that scene as well. On that scene when like the the cops are all standing there and they're like talking about orange whips, the three cops stand right in front of people that have paid for really good seats. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like you just see them. They're like so pissed off. Yeah. It's brilliant. <laughs> I noticed that on my second watch too, that they're like full on just blocked a whole people's, whole group of people's view. Really bad. I have well, and just, and I've already touched on one of my high points, which is quite possibly the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Which I can, I can barely argue with that. That has to be a high point as the music throughout. So I only have one more high point. So I don't know if I've got a few, but they're kind of, they're all linked together. It's the big car chase. Yeah, same for me. Yeah. <laughs> From the minute they do the it's dark, we've got our sunglasses, it's 100 whatever miles to Chicago and they go hit it wherever it goes. From then, pretty much at the end of the film. <laughs> it's a high point. The last 20 minutes whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, normally, I've, I've touched this before like in other films where cars just randomly start flying and flipping over for no reason. But like, it just works really well for this film. But like even like all the car chasing like scenes and stunts and all that, it's like if they actually use people like yeah, and like people almost yeah. died in this film. This is this is what you want in films. You need that more. Like if Fast and the Furious filmed it like Bluesboro's, like actual proper real, I'd be game. I'd watch that shit more often. It's I don't know how they even would have, I would have avoided there having to be a driver in some of these cars as well. Like some people really risk their lives. It's done really well that it looks like 
I don't know, maybe it isn't, but like Dan Aykroyd is doing the driving. Yeah, through the hard underground. Yeah. yeah, there's one bit where he nearly goes sideways, and I'm yeah. like, how did like how in 1990 or 1979, whatever it was, how did he not like do that? Total. Appar- that. Apparently, how they did it was like you can actually see certain scenes where you can see tire tracks, and it's because they they filmed a slower version with people in it, and then they filmed a faster version without people in. So when they cut back, it looks like the cars are going faster than they are, right. and oh. then then they sped up the footage of the ones where the pedestrians are on there as well. So right, yeah. every scene looks almost seamless when they're going fast and slow. It's really good. And then, like, the actual... The drive through what is quite clearly the streets of Chicago yeah. is really good. And it's proper, oh, like, just... a, a proper adrenaline rush stuff as well, where, you know, you're bolted on the front of the car and the car is yeah. flying down and then the police car comes right out in front and all that. It's it's really well put together as, as a car chase. Um, but, yeah, my final high point is, like, since we're near the end... Is the SWAT team, the army, <laughs> the fire brigade, that entire thing? It's just it's the one guy coming yeah. up. Every part of me just it just made me laugh all the way through, and it just it shouldn't. It's such a stupid, yeah. over the top scene, but then it just the yeah. payoff's brilliant. When they all come running into the lobby of the the building, and then the one nice policeman's like. Where's the uh, the two guys come through here with the briefcase? Oh yeah, they went down that way. Oh, thank you very much. Ah! <laughs> like that's like literally like the exact thing I was going to say. Like the next punch I've got, and then right at the very end, like the blues brothers in this nice relaxing hotel. You've got these guys just rushing at them, shooting the door out and all that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just says back in five minutes, and then just stand there going, "What?" I thought that's absolutely brilliant. Like after everything they've gone through, they've still got to wait for this guy having his lunch. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, that does for high points. Uh, yeah. Thanks. So yeah. That, that, that's on the low points then. What was like, the worst things and bits of the film? Where I've already mentioned a couple of mine, so I don't know if someone else wants to lead off with a low point. Well, I kind of started with the the flyover of the city. I just think it was pointless. But is it not a bit of a dick move using somebody's belly to hide their face? Like that underneath shot of him walking along the prison, so you don't see his face. He's using the guy's <laughs> big belly. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of John Belushi's uh... sort of. I don't know, style, wasn't it? Was that he was the, the kind of the round fat one, really? Yeah. Like, he was still uh, a bit of a dick move going, how can we hide his face? I don't know, he's a bit fat, we'll just use that. I don't know. You'd have to ask him if he was offended, and unfortunately, <laughs> he can't. <laughs> uh, any early low points from you, Andy? I'm trying to think of early ones. I would, I'd, like I said, I'd. I would also, it's a high point, but it's also a low point, is the pacing of, especially this extended version. There is bits that they could cut out to just make it more of a fast-paced film. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realise it was extended, that other bits had only previously been cut, so yeah. mm. there's that, a lot of bits that, that I thought could have just taken off. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's, it's almost literally one minute per scene, like, it's to take 18 minutes out of it. It's every bit is longer, which, if you like it, and I, I very much enjoyed this watch-through, it, it was an extra bonus thing, because I got to hear more of every song and every performance. Mm. But yeah, this I, on the original one, it's probably paced a bit better. Like I say, it's nearly 20 minutes shorter on the, yeah. on the original, so probably works really well. So I, I don't have many low points left, but one of them I have Andy might know, because Andy might have the trivia on this one. Did they have to change the song that was being sung in the church that James Brown was doing? Because, like I said earlier, so, he doesn't sing He doesn't sing a lot. And also, you never actually see his face when he's singing. So I feel like they changed the song or something, Andy. So some, you know. I thought something along the lines of James Brown actually, like, he, say, he doesn't do lip syncing. 
So he sings. So what happened was they played a track on the back. So all the performers were lip syncing around Dingy. So he wanted to do his scene. So they basically just was like doing words and sounds. Right. Okay. That's how he wanted to film, like film. But everybody, when he's actually singing, the bits he is singing, you'll probably see his face is not there because he refuses to lip sync. Whereas all the Ah. rest of the people would lip sync and act around him. Whereas he kind of just went freestyle and just did his own voice stuff. Yeah, because it felt like I don't know. If that's that why it's weird. Like, yeah, because like this is the different version of normal scenes. Like, did they have to change the song to something else? I didn't remember the song that clearly. I remember not liking that scene too much. But yeah, it was just weird. So that, that definitely explains it. And it's the same with the uh, Aretha Franklin. She apparently she is awful at lip syncing, so she yeah. can't actually lip sync. So when you see that scene being put together, it's got a bit of million and one cuts. And there's a bit where she actually just looks annoyed because she's had to film it again. <laughs> and so use that, put it to yes, one time, use it. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you could just see that like by the end of it, they're all a bit uh, just they don't really care. And it's because that yeah. she was just she could not lip sync at all. Huh. Okay. Very good. Uh, but right, right I've so I've got a, I've got a proper low point. This is this is the pinnacle of narking me off. Every time I watch it, I get ang I think I get angrier every time this happens. The good old boys. Yep. Right? I love Rawhide. I love the entire scene. However, there's just one bit that always pisses me off. The good old boys rock up. One. <laughs> once it's once the gig's finished, everybody's hammered. So I'm presuming it's like 1am, maybe even 2am. Yeah, the place is empty. Yeah. And they've just like, no, no, we've got to go and play the gig. It's like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. No, Best case, say, oh, we're running late, he says. At one point. Like, like, ah, <laughs> and honestly, God, that scene, every time it does it, it just pisses me off. It's like, no, because it just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, we need to go see Country Bob and tell him all yeah. the way the puncture. It's just a case of, we're running late. Let's go play the gig. Everybody, <laughs> surely everybody's here five hours afterwards. <laughs> it doesn't make <laughs> but yeah, Every time that scene happens, it just makes me angry. And I just, I still can't get my head around it. It doesn't make any sense. Is it not as well? Sorry, I was gonna say like, is it not like common knowledge that people playing get free drinks? Oh yeah, definitely. Because I would have totally been in the same thing as them. They've had a beer. uh, Here, it's on the house. Fine, drink. I'll just drink as much as I want. I mean, I've I've DJed gigs like that, and it's true. It's free beer. Yeah, I feel like maybe ten guys drinking two hundred dollars worth of beer might be taking the piss a little bit, but. Yeah, I would say as part yeah, of the, but, I would like, say part of the contract, but we know that. <laughs> yeah. Just... Uh, what I was going to say there was I have now forgotten what I was going to say, and you guys carry on while I think. Well, I would say the the ultimate of low points is fucking Nazis again. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a podcast? Illinois <laughs> Nazis. Illinois Nazis, bastards. <laughs> Why would the police stop them from getting their heads booted in? Like on that thing was it? I know they've played because they, they, they had a permit. So fuck him. Fuck him. There's nothing good about them. Country Western Bar, I forgot what it was now. I don't think it's anything important. Uh, yes, Nazis, always a low point. Although they are a comic figure and we can point and laugh at them in this film. Uh, yeah. My I've, last low point I've go got uh, is, which is something I think it's always annoyed me as well. Did the Blues Brothers only play one and a half songs at the big gig? Yeah, yep. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Because I didn't notice a break because they come on to play everybody's. Because well, I suppose I guess the the the, the many the yeah, Moocher they got many the Moocher. Yeah, so that then they come on 
play everybody. Everybody's got somebody to love. Yeah. And then they play the first half, essentially, of uh, Sweet, Sweet Home, Home Chicago. Chicago. They dance off and then leave, and the rest of the band, that's the entire gig. Yeah, I, I generally thought they were going to play like the whole list of songs, just maybe cut it a little bit. Thing, but yeah. you hear them play the two songs, and that, well, one and a half. Yeah. The uh, which I mean, a couple of good songs, and it was only they said it was two dollars a head, wasn't it, to get in? Yeah, so which I, I thought maybe... was crazy prices for tickets. That's 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 so good. Imagine and it was they could seat five, ten thousand. I forgot how much it was. I think the, it was uh... five thousand. So they were making yeah, ten grand. Ten grand, which yeah, and they were getting ten grand off the 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 guy from backstage as well. But that yeah. also takes me on to something I didn't notice on my second watch through here, which might now be my biggest low point I've got about this entire film. It goes into Andy's thing about people playing gigs at weird times. They come on, they only play two songs, whatever it was. And then, say it takes them ten minutes to get out of the building, past Carrie Fisher and the, the pipes. Ten minutes to get to wherever their car was left. Say, at most, it's half an hour after, I don't know, maybe, say the gig started late, they started at nine o'clock. It's probably half past nine. And then, I don't know if you remember the line, Andy, whatever it is, but how many miles have they got to go to Chicago? hundred and something. Hundred and something. So let's be really unkind and say it's going to take them three hours to get there. So half nine to half twelve, that's just three hours. Why is it morning when they get to Chicago <laughs> when it's pitch black when they leave the gig? <laughs> Traffic was bad. Time difference. <laughs> <laughs> and the police are behind them the entire way as well. The police never catch up. They never have to stop. They never go. It's I don't know how the police got the long routes or whatever it was, but yeah, it was like because I just remember the last bit being all in daylight, and I'm like, wait a minute, it's pitch black. Mm. They barely played a song at their gig that they were selling tickets. It could to be. Years, it could yeah. have been a one a.m. finish that for that gig. They might have done a full gig. It might have been. Yeah, I suppose it was mid-summer. Maybe would the sun be out that much at 4 o'clock yeah, in the morning? Yeah, 4 or 5, maybe. yeah, it might have been. <laughs> yes, but yeah. I feel like they, they, they messed up their timings <laughs> a little bit there. But yeah, that's my last little point. I've got to try and think of what I was going to say about the Country and Western Club, but carry on if you uh, want. I'm going to go back to the Country and Western Club. Is Dan Aykroyd's singing voice for Rawhide? That's amazing. Is that actually his voice? Yes. Really deep... That is him <laughs> singing. Like... Jake sounds like literally like uh, John Belushi singing, but Dan Aykroyd is just so deep and like yep. off. Majestic. Dan Aykroyd himself is really weird in this film. Like, yes. I'm not sure what he was going for when it comes to this film. Like, what was he trying to be when he was being ill? Uh, it's, could, does anyone have a guess or an answer? No. He seems like pout quite a lot and <laughs> pull weird faces and I don't know, just... There's the oh. weird scene that at the, the gas station with Twiggy as well, where I'm like, he's been a bit of a creeper, but also <laughs> you you, kinda, you know he's never going to meet up with her, and it's weird, and then he just, I don't know, he seems to be just irked a lot of the time, but he also seems to be the smart one, but I don't know, it, it, Dan, I, I, I guess it's like it's the first film he was ever in, because he was Saturday Night Live. S- speaking point. of yeah. weird, who's, who puts the toast in the toaster? Then goes to sleep. Wants to go to sleep straight away. It's like you're not even finished toast, mate. Like, yeah, you just put on. Well. You sneeze as well. What kind of insult is that? Calling someone a sleaze. Uh, but yeah, that, that I put that accord at low points for me. I, I never remember him being this weird. Like John Belushi carries the Blues Brothers kind of charisma in this film. Dan Aykroyd's really weird. I don't know. Dan Aykroyd uh, can dance. No, well, he can dance. That's what he brings. Oh, he can the, dance in Celtic Pride. The amazing dance, <laughs> I'm assuming Vikings. Well. Uh, uh, any fight. any final low points, or is that us? No, I'm, uh, out. I'm done. That's us. On to point four, then the stats. 
I have got the usual ones that we've got, which increase by every episode. <laughs> uh, in the collector's edition, extended by 20 minutes extra, 29 shits and 12 F-bombs, which is a lot more swearing than I remember being in the film. Uh, 12 explosions as well, uh, pretty much condensed to two or three scenes, but yes, 12 explosions. Deaths. Deaths, though. Zero is the official. I would say nobody has ever presented as being death. Oh, the Nazis are definitely dead. Hotel, though, must have been slaughtered. I've got at least 20 people died in the the men's only hotel. It has to be 20. The Nazis. They they fell from great heights. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Two Nazis. Yeah. They've fallen (laughs) from (laughs) an improbable height. Yeah, (laughs) that bridge, it just seemed to extend. See, it was about 20 feet high. (laughs) It was neither a high point or a low point. It was just a fun point. It was just like... That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> was the, they're like, they're, I forgot about that. Uh, the blues car as well, like, it stops, it stands at its end, and then yeah. shoots off like Superman. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> randomness, just for being random. It's very like Saturday Night Live. It's like, if you, here's a daft bit of comedy. You might like it, you might, might not, but I bet yeah. you'll like will come along eventually. <laughs> yeah. And I've got at least another two when the gas station gets blown up as well, because the guy who works there. And the guy who drives the tanker. Oh, yeah. are still oh there. he's and definitely that place, die. That place goes. So there's probably about 25 deaths, maybe more in this. But yeah, none are actually official uh, when it comes to that. Quota, it's dead animal. I don't think we had a dead animal. Though. I think we avoided any animals. No. Uh, I didn't notice a cow. I was looking as the cars were going through Illinois at the end, but I could not see a cow in any fields. No, no goats either. No peeing. No pee gags. Uh, someone did make a reference to, to, to peeing. It was one of the old good old boys. <laughs> but none of that. The devil did not appear. The KKK, no, but Nazis are about as close as you can get to the KKK. So kind of a, a half mark. I reckon, they, I reckon they're Nazis on the weekend. Uh, well, the, the KKK <laughs> in the weekend. Nazis during the, the day. KKK yeah, KKK night. once a week. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> just a change of clothing. It's the same yeah. thing. The photos where the Nazi stuff underneath the... the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right, so a couple extra ones I did. I counted musical numbers, because I couldn't remember how much of a musical this was, but there are 11 full musical numbers in this film, which definitely qualifies as a musical. However, only one of them is really a telling of a bit of the film. So I've got all 11 here. So James Brown's scene, Murph and the Magic Tones, they play a half sort of music number. John Lee Hooker playing in the street. Then we have Think inside the cafe. Ray's Music Exchange, there's two songs at the Country Bunker, Minnie the Moocher, Everybody Needs Somebody, Sweet Home Chicago, and then Jailhouse Rock is the 11th. Of them, of those, Think is the only one where it's really yeah. like, I'm telling a bit of the film, mm-hmm. you think about what you're doing, don't go with them and stay with me. Every other one is just them playing a song. So, I don't know, personally, I think that helps it, because I prefer to just see a band yep. playing than someone yeah. telling the story of life. I mean, I've I, I watched more musicals than ever before, and I've watched like all these new Disney Pixar ones, and I kind of hate a musical that like explains some sto- like, some songs are brilliant, but I hate ones where it's like visually telling you a story. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, I thought eleven was more than I remembered, and in a film that's what, for us two and a half hours, eleven songs is quite a lot, <laughs> especially because I say there's about five of them come back to back to back to back. Um, I did it. I counted police cars. Yeah. Didn't go too strict on it, but I tried to go within reason. That same 15 could have gone to there, and oh, that's more than there was. So there's probably another 10. 98 is where I got to. <laughs> so you can maybe round up to 100 if you want. That includes the Bluesmobile, because it is also a police car. Uh, so 98 police cars. However, I think in the film, they probably destroyed about 98 and then re- reformed them and put them back out on the road again. Apparently, the thing they say Blues Brothers in the Blues Brothers yeah. film. Yes. They did 14 times. I counted Yay. three on my first watch through, and I was like, there's no way they only said three. <laughs> Apparently, I gave up <laughs> 20 minutes into the film and forgot to count them more. 
officially 14. Chris, any stats from you? Uh, yeah, it's exactly eight minutes to the point where before either of them speak right at the start. Don't like um, it. I also counted four times that they said Mission from God. <laughs> yeah, I thought we'd do that as well. Yeah, it's yeah. only four. It feels like they say it a lot more than that. So did I when I watched it. But the first time I watched it, I got five. So I don't know where I'm getting an extra one from. And I watched it again, only got four. So... Four and a half, well, Four and a half. the difference. Half. Yeah. Uh, you only see them without sunglasses twice. Uh, Jake in the... No, sorry, Elwood in the factory and Jake when he's trying ah. to um, smooch carry. The factory scene, I do not remember that. I don't know if that's an extended bit or not, but I do uh, not remember him Yeah, I think, there, I think it definitely good. is on the extended one. Yeah. And I was going to count blue things and that was a stupid <laughs> idea because the first time I was like, pause it every second and taking notes... Because like, it ranged from window frames in the church <laughs> to uh, Jake's oh. outfit, or well, their all other outfits in prison, to uh-huh. there was always something blue, like the hue of the light on him, the the main shops in the mall. And I was like, okay, fuck this. There's a lot of blue things. <laughs> so it's confirmed of- for the entire running time of the film, there's something blue on screen. In the blue Pretty blue. much every yeah. scene, there's something blue somewhere. Cool. Even if it's just a color, like even if they're in the dark in the car. There's something that shines blue with well, the lighting. Well, in the car, there's like a blue thing sitting on the dashboard. <laughs> so pretty much every time there's something blue on screen. Always something blue. Okay, okay. Uh, and Andy, I don't know if you've got any stats, but I know you're going to have a most pornographic scene. So why don't you tell us? Well, it's, it's, it's definitely a pornographic scene, but you don't actually see it, but it's the thought of it makes it really pornographic. And that's four fried chickens. <laughs> like, if I'm presented with four fried chickens, it's a good day. <laughs> good. Uh, any others? That's no, me. On to the quiz then on point five, the 10 point podcast quiz. And it is the quiz master. Jesus. So why don't you right, it's going to be really hard because I've got to read things in front of me and it's really hard to read in sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might read this off, it might work. Um, well, did you take them off once so you can do it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, I can see uh, the answers to these glasses if we look really close. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, I'm going to butcher some of these uh, names. Uh, but basically, the quiz is called Brothers in Blue. Right, okay. So I'm going to give you a name of a police officer and you have to name his partner in crime, i.e. his right. brother in blue. His partner in fighting. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So who wants to go first? Dealer's choice. Right, I'll go first. Right. Sorry, are we, is it actors, characters? How are we? It the is the... I'm going to take them off because it's really hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. you light for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's character names from a right. film, but it's hard because I'm not even going to tell you the film. However, oh, the I scoring is going to pop up. The scoring is literally if you can't get it, it will be passed over to the other person, and the other person will get the name of the film. Oh, right, okay, double Sneaky double the chance then, right, okay. So, who wants to go first? Chris, I think Chris opted to go first. Yeah, I'll so go anyway. first. Right, so I'm going to tell you somebody's name, and you've got to tell me his partner, or their partner, right. or her partner. So, Martin Schmidt. Ah! And I want full names, not just ah. one name. Is it not Venko? I don't Is know that... his full name. I need uh, full name or it's going to get James passed Venko. over. You're going for James Venko. It's not. No. Him. Bruce, you can steal this point. Yeah. Are you going to tell me which film it is? I know which film it is, but I thought you'd buy it. It's 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. I think it's Jenko. Ah! 
I need a first name for the point. No, I'm not going to get it, I don't think. It was uh, Greg Jenko. What was it? Greg? Greg. <laughs> Greg, I, I would have guessed 100%. At least you were Jenko, right? Yeah. Right. I probably would have got it if you hadn't said your guess, which is my Carry on. So, now. Bruce, your go. Mm-hmm. Scott Turner. <laughs> is it just Hooch? Ah! <laughs> Correct, it is Hooch! Yeah! I knew that one. <laughs> From Turner and Hooch. Whole name of Hooch. <laughs> right, Chris. Ray Tango. David Pepsi, I don't know. <laughs> No, that's not right. Bruce, it's you, and it's Ray Tango from Tango and Cash. Yeah, so Cash is a surname, but uh, Ray and Charles. <laughs> no, it was Gabriel Cash. Gabriel Cash, never would have got it. Right, uh, this has got 1-0 written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's Bruce. <laughs> right, Bruce, it's a hard one for you, because uh-huh. I've got to try and butcher this name. Right. Yang Ning Lee. Okay. Right. Uh, I I, does Chris know? If Chris knows what film it is, that helps him because I don't know the character's name, but I know what film it is. <laughs> so I'm going to go. I'm just going to go John Smith. John Smith. Nope, it's not. No. So, Chris, Yang Ning Lee from the film Rush Hour. I knew it was Rush Hour. Yeah, I knew it was Rush Hour as well. <laughs> I was going to say Chris Tucker, but yeah, I know that's what I was going to say. Chris Tucker, but I don't know his character's name. Yeah, Tucker. Chris Tucker. I thought I know the character's name. It is James Carter. Oh, wasn't far away. Right, who is it? Chris now. Chris, going to use this. Marcus Brunette. Mike Lowry. Correct. It's Mike Lowry from Bad Boys. One all. Right, Bruce. Danny Butterman. Well, that name. <laughs> Not the name, but I can't, I can't tell you who it is. Not that name. Oh. <clears throat> no, I have to. I, 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 I can see. I don't want to try and give, give anything away, so yeah, I don't know. Chris, Danny Butterman from Hot Fuzz. Ah! That's what it was. Ah! Oh. Oh, it's Angel! Mm. Nicholas Angel! Yes! Ah, he it. got it! <laughs> right, oh. uh, who's it next? Uh, uh, me. Chris, so that's Chris is winning now, so this, this could be a storm it's, lead. A yeah. couple more. Sure. Right, Chris. Roger Murtock. Mm. I want to say Mike Riggs. It is not Mike Riggs, Bruce. Uh, Roger Murtock from Lethal Weapon. Who's his partner? Right, Lethal Weapon. Right, so he's R- R- Riggs is definitely the name. Not Mike. Riggs. Steve Riggs or Stephen Riggs. It is not Steve Riggs, it's Martin Riggs. Oh, ah! What did I say? Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is it Bruce? Is it Bruce? It's, it's me, Bruce. Yeah. Right, Bruce. Lena Huxley. <laughs> I 
Why is it like every time you say a character name, it's like, oh, I know that character name, but I cannot <laughs> think of what film they're in. Uh, I think Chris is going to run away with this. I'm going to yeah. burst. <laughs> I don't know then. I, I'll be here all day trying to guess. Chris, I want you to officially say pass so I do not get screwed oh, out at this point. Pa- I passed that one. I do not know that. John Spartan. It is John Spartan from ah, Demolition Man. Was. I was, honestly, I was gonna, I was gonna guess uh, Judge Dredd. But I was like, <laughs> That's not his name. <laughs> right. We'll we'll do the last two, but I think Chris needs to get both of these wrong for you to stand a chance of tying it up. Right, Chris, Michael Dooley. Uh, Dooley. Nah. Uh, I, I do Passing, uh, yeah. Bruce is getting the pass. It's Michael Dooley from K9. Nine. That is the one I was expecting to come up, but it's not the name I thought. Is it K9? It technically is K9, but the actual <laughs> dog is called Jerry Lee. <laughs> I never that. I've got the other dog one. Do my only right. point so far is for... <laughs> I knew, like, Jim Belushi's film is going to pop up at some point because he plays a cop with a dog, but I thought yep. the dog is called K9 as well. No, uh, the dog is called Jerry Lee. Right, so this is Bruce's last one, which is actually a special bonus one, which is worth five points. Oh, oh. Yes. Okay, <laughs> so this is worth... If you get this right, you get the points. Hard. Right. Okay. Yeah. Judge Hershey. <laughs> is it is it Judge Dredd? Yes, that is. <laughs> Bruce wins. <laughs> or it's a draw. Uh, the official score. I will accept a draw. That is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Especially because I already said it. Yeah, we'll call that. A, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to concede a draw to Chris. I I have no idea how I made out with two points in that question. <laughs> so, Brothers I'm in blue. Happy. There you go. Pan pending. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. That was a better quiz, although comfortably harder quiz than we've had yes. in a film. <laughs> really hard. Don't you worry. There's going to be some more belters in the end. Okay, okay. On to point six. Movies within movies. Uh, not just cow- not cowboys, not just cops within movies. Uh, I've done a bit of my own here, mixed in with some other stuff I could find. So, Blade Runner, the opening shots of Chicago. I don't know what came first. So, the Penguin can open doors on her own has some sort of psychic power seemingly <laughs> so I don't know if that's amityville horror or something <laughs> like that some sort of spookiness and the way she moves reminded me of Dracula when she yeah. back yeah. so I don't know if that's some sort of parody there but nothing else ever listed that as any sort of reference uh, then Rawhide and Peter Gunn are both kind of old television shows that the, the theme songs were played at one point, uh, Elwood references Oldsmobiles, as in they've got the new Oldsmobiles in over there. That's an Animal House reference. It was a kind of car they invented for the film Animal House. Is it? Uh, the film It's a Mad, 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 Mad World is very similar uh, sort of tonally to a massive police chase with everybody trying to get to the one place and everyone's following everyone on the road and then the kind of celebrity cameos popping up. It's a very similar kind of film to this. Apocalypse Now, because of the Ride of the Valkyries happening when the Nazis pull out and start chasing them. <laughs> the French Connection for the chase through the city is quite literally, as I was watching it, I, I didn't remember it being as much like the French, French Connection chase. And in 2001 A Space Odyssey, there's a couple of shots that are exact replicas of what happens when he goes through the kind of monolith in 2001 very similar sort of look there and then Jailhouse Rock the Elvis Presley film is quite obvious uh, the reference <laughs> there at the very end and then Never Not Good uh, A Hell I'm Willing to Die On Practical Car Chases are yeah. Never Not Good if you use actual cars and actually drive along roads it is always good uh, Chris movies are the movies uh, yeah so there's quite a Belt few Some no Belt. doubt I've missed Hunters because I didn't go through every single person <laughs> there we go. 
So uh, Dan Aykroyd made a cameo in our scariest movie ever so far, <laughs> yeah. apparently, in yes, Casper. Spookiest, yeah, right. <laughs> Spookiest, then. Uh, he's not anything else, is he? Uh, nope, just Casper. Which I was surprised. I thought we'd done him before, but apparently Casper. So did I. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Fisher is in my most forgotten film, The Barbs. Yay. And... So was the head Nazi, Henry Gibson. Yeah, I thought you'd forget him. I was like, what if he plays the villain or something <laughs> yep. else we've done that advice? But he was Dr. Klopik of the Klopik. Burbs. Yep. It seems to be our, like, seven degrees of bacon. It's <laughs> yeah, a 10 point podcast, the, the Burbs. But it's like one degree of the Burbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, John Candy played someone called Wink Wilkinson in Little Shop of Horrors. He was my most hated character in that film. Yep. He was it was like a radio DJ or something. Yes, wasn't he? He was you awful hate him. in it. That's yeah. who it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Uh, Paul Rubin, the waiter, was Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah, Pee Wee Herman. I totally missed he was in this. I did not see him at all. But yeah, yeah. amazing. Um, I was most proud of this one until I found my last one. Uh, Devereaux White. Yeah. Is Argyle from Die Hard? He was the, the the young boy trying to steal the guitar, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's Argyle from Die Hard. It's amazing. Yes. I couldn't believe that. And there's probably a lot more, but I came across this one by Google, eh, not Google, by going through IMDb. I was like, wait, how, when's he in this? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> like, I had no idea that he was the tax guy. He used his voice was used in Jaws. Yeah, he was for, uh, like, life, the life station, station worker. Life station worker. Yeah, I I'll nominate him in a minute, but I always forget Steven Spielberg yep. is the guy at the end of this every yep. time. I always forget. But yeah, uh, spot on. I do have one more, Chris. If that was your last one, uh, yeah, I've got the like Argyle from Die Hard was the winner, and I love PB Herman as well. But this is one of your tenth guy from the left ones. So Gary Houston. He played a Nazi, not one of the main ones, but a Nazi. He played the irate customer in the car dealership in Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I went for the head Nazi because I see his face somewhere and I yeah. looked at that one. But uh, uh, yeah, but you got some really good ones there. One of the best. We've had. I made a point. Like I was late to a lot of people, and I was like, I recognise fa- recognise his face from doing it before. So yeah, the other Nazi, yeah. right? Well, we're talking about things, and it's kind of current if you know who he is. Uh, the other Nazi, like his, not the thingy guy, the other helper dude, he looks like Jeff Tremaine from Jackass. Yes! <laughs> like, every time exactly I watch it, like, I was like, Jeff Tremaine's in this? He'd be like a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Tremaine, uh, look it up. I think he's Eugene J. Anthony. Did he play the Gruppenführer or something like that? Probably. Like, not yeah. the one who, like, at the end goes, I've always loved you or something Yeah, like I yeah. think that's him, yeah. But yeah he's looks exactly, Nazi, he's not just called Nazi. <laughs> he looks like Jeff Tremaine from Jackass. <laughs> Okay, okay. Uh, uh, as for us, I feel easy. I put Andy as Jake, you as Elwood, and I'm John Candy trying to rest us. Ah, okay. Uh, Andy's Jake, obviously. Like, like, <laughs> like I mean, another one. Andy picks these films that he's easily castable in. I put you as Elwood, and I put me as the penguin. <laughs> I'll, I'll put me as John Candy because he doesn't sing or dance at uh, all. And he's trying to rest us. I can imagine oh, you. You, you wait till the wedding, Chris. You wait till the wedding. Uh, Elwood. Put the blood rave on, Chris will be dancing like Elwood Blues, so you just watch. Oh, there you go, you can add that to my list, I forgot about that. Apparently Gay Bar is his number one song, he loves that, apparently. I know that word for word. <laughs> uh, Andy, movies are movies from you. you right, got? it's not so much a movie within a movie, however, I do want to see the Blues Brothers just cameo in, like, films. Just every film, kind of like, like Jane and Bob did in, like, kind of recent times. 
I was about to say, they just show up in like Scream 3 for no yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, they do. And then that's it. They're not, they're not in it, but they're not yeah. in it. Like, they're just, that's Jane Silent Bob. They have like a light, well, one, Jay has a line. It's because they were and filming just... Jane Silent Bob Strike Back at the same time. Right, okay. Um, but I, yeah. I forgot to say last week. But yeah, no, I want to see Jake and Elwood just appear like in the Marvel multiverse. Just, just, <laughs> just uh, being the Blues Brothers. Whatever Space Jam was a part of. With, no, because that's Warner Brothers well in Universal. Because yeah. remember, Space Jam had all the different other things, or even Ready Player One. There must be a Blues Brothers world in that. Or something I, I, think, I think the Blues Brothers mobile isn't that, isn't it? Could uh, be a lot of cars yeah, in that. Might be, yeah. There you go. But yeah, no, I it's just like... want to see the Blues Brothers universe. Like, they just appear in films, just like just little background <laughs> characters. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Right then, on to point seven, we're very much over time here, so we need to rattle through the end. Chris? Uh, Have you got a would you rather sort of hypothetical for us? Uh, yeah, I can tell you Andy's answer. Uh, like, would you rather uh, never be able to take off the black hat and sunglasses, regardless of the situation, whether it's good or bad, or spontaneously burst into song to get a point across, which I know <laughs> Bruce hates. Oh, I would do both of those, though. <laughs> yeah, kind of, like both, yeah. <laughs> I think the second would wind you out. I, I nearly always wear a hat when I'm outside anyway, so hat and glasses suits me. I would always wear the hat. It has to be the, the Blues Brothers or the, the black fedora. Oh, and... Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I want to do both. However, oh, I do you. have a hypothetical. I'm going to throw this hypothetical. I know we're over time, but this is a question he's answered. It's important. It's important. Right. It came up in discussion today. Right. And it was basically, it was Radio 1, how you meet people and weird ways you meet people. Somebody said, just eat. They met their partner through Just Eat. So I'm thinking, right, if you order a takeaway, right, <laughs> say guy, woman, whatever you're into, comes to the door, you've ordered a Just Eat, and you're like, do you want a shag? And they say yes. What's the protocol? Do you finish your food that you've ordered? Have you ordered enough to share it with them? Or do you just reheat it afterwards? Well, I'm thinking they've got one of them bags. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That gives you a bit extra time. There. It's not like it's going to be like a, an hour-long marathon, so it'll still be warm. Yeah. But yeah, it's just I was I trying to fit it into later, this conversation. Yeah. Eat, share, exchange numbers. I'll see you tomorrow because I want another takeaway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah, you've ordered your fr- you've, you've ordered four fried chickens. I just wanted to know the protocol. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> food. Food. Uh, I think the warm bag because it'll go anywhere. The warm bag still be there. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. On for our nominations for the Pointy Awards. I have quite a lot so I'll rattle through. The new, newly christened and newly minted Best Team Award that someone invented recently. I've gone for the Blues Brothers Band. I want the whole lot of them, not just the two of them. The whole Blues Brothers Band needs to be Best Team. Best Song against the other one. I'm going the Peter Gunn theme because I just love that. It's the, it's I the had theme. that, but because I'm nominated in Waterworld, I went to uh, Sam and Dave's Hold oh, On, I'm Coming. <laughs> yeah. that as well. Hold yeah, On, I'm Coming is really good as well, but Peter Gunn, like I said before, it's the best stuff is happening uh, music. Like, we're we're getting a team together. We're working on that. It's, it's really good music, so I'm nominating that. Best costume is the all-black look for the Bruce Brothers. Best hair I've gone for, for Donald Duck Dunn. Yeah, oh, It's majestic. <laughs> I've never thought about that. I went for the dishwasher. When he's got to the hair net, he takes it off. It just flows out. <laughs> I was like, that's getting nominated. Right, okay, well, we'll decide which today. I think, I think Donald Duck might get it there. Yeah, Best special effects, uh, the, the Men Only Hotel exploding for me. Yep. Best stunt, I think it's the one going kind to of end the city of Chicago where the cars repeatedly drive into a pile. Not the one down the grass, but the one in the street. Where it just it has to be a stunt driver driving in these cars. I don't know how they did it, so that's the best stunt for me. The best entrance is the Blues Brothers coming onto stage. Uh, best, I've got worst acting 
Dan Aykroyd just don't know what he was going for. Oh. I can't nail down one worst cop, so the entire police authority of Chicago and <laughs> Illinois gets worst cop. Most unexpected Steven Spielberg is always forget him. And I was so happy. I got a Best Jimmy nomination. James Brown nominated for Best Jimmy. Yay! For the point, for the point, point is, uh, and then our top awards, Best Inanimate Object, the Bluesmobile Mark II. That's obviously the one I have in the car. And then Best Bell End, which means Best Villain. I'm going Carrie Fisher. I think she's really good. Uh, yeah, being, yeah. She's essentially a villain. Yeah. So they're my nominations. Who wants to tidy up some others? I'm going to uh, add Best Death. And best Car Chase. All right, go on. Best car chase for the whole thing. Well, I was going to say, uh, yeah, the one with the, the police and the, the Nazis at the end. Yeah. Best car okay. chase added to the Because I yeah. imagine there's going to be other films with car chases in, I'm sure. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, my worst plan is suckering your friends into playing a show uh, while you're wanted by the police and then getting them arrested <laughs> and put in jail with you. Yeah, well, that's, uh, I've got to come to that in a minute, but yes, I agree. <laughs> um, my most unexpected was going to be Carrie Fisher. That was until I found out that Mr. T was one of the guys in the street. Yeah, and, I don't know where, but yeah. Yeah, and apparently so was uh, James Avery. He was a dancer outside Ray's shop, so you could take your pick <laughs> of one of them. No Danny John Jules, though. No, didn't, didn't no, spot him at any point. Seems like his type of film. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's it. The part oh. I called the best stunt is the hotel blown up with them inside it. Yeah. But You've already used that for something else. Andrew. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't a stunt so. so much as I think that was more because I don't think they actually blew up a building with them inside it. No, but yeah, it looks like they were that. So, okay. Anyway, yeah. All right, Andy, there you go. Right, I'm going to add Best Death, which is the Nazis falling from a ludicrous height. They're definitely <laughs> dead. If they didn't, they die. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to add Best Song, which is Ooh. controversial, but it is Ride of the Valkyries. Because. <laughs> You, you know shit's one. going down when you can hear that, especially as a horn in a helicopter. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Chopper Squad. Yeah, I get, yeah, the chopper, chopper Squad alert. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like the, the whole soundtrack, it's def, def, like, if we just have one soundtrack, best soundtrack, this wins hands down. Yeah, I, I, I almost put best score, because I don't, it doesn't quite count for best score, but like a lot of the music is just kind of put to the background it's as well. Stuff, but yeah, yeah. Every music award, Blues Brothers gets nominated yeah. for. Uh, best dance moves, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> dance moves. Right, like, he'll he'll win. He's won that point too. I think. I don't know. I reckon it could be more dancing. But right, we'll see. It's gonna be the season of dance. Could be. <laughs> I'm just making nothing but musicals. <laughs> Which wouldn't would put past him. Uh, any others? Stars? No, that's it. Uh, everybody's covered it. On to the moral of the story. Something I stopped on earlier on mentioning a minute ago. I my moral story is don't associate with known criminals because that's literally how the entire rest of the band gets ends up in jail. Because they played music with the Blues Brothers. They didn't break any laws at any point in the rest of the band. <laughs> purely through association, purely through association, they ended okay. up in prison. So that's my don't associate with criminals. Who's next? Andy, go next. Okay. Right. You you kind of brought an old point up last week, which fits perfectly into this one, and it's bitches be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How did I not see that coming? How did I not see that coming? <laughs> Uh, Chris, what's your moral story? I didn't think about that one, but I tried to go somewhere different. So I went, the Lord works in the mysterious ways. Ah, oh, nice. Nice. Yes, very good. Uh, on to the 10th point, which is the 10-point rating. Andy picked it, Andy gets to go first. Andy, what's your score for the Blues Brothers? Right, this is probably the film that I've actually watched the most in my life. And it's one of these films that, like I said, it annoys the shit out of me every time I see the good old boys turn up. It, every, <laughs> yeah. it gets me angrier and angrier each time. Like, just infuriates me. But there is also, like, 
it's a film that I've watched like a million times and there's still bits I don't see, I miss. And like even like that kid like that steals the guitar, I didn't know that was um, Argyle. And it's just like this this film still throws surprises and it's like it's just an enjoyable watch. I can put this on the background any time of the day. Mm. Uh, Great background film. But the good old boys does bring it down, so it only gets a nine from me. Only Oof. a nine because of them good old boys. Uh, I pretty much echo everything Andy says. It's, uh, yeah, as I say, it's the, it's the perfect film to just stick on because there's funny bits and they don't need too much tension. There's great music, doesn't need so much tension. I think uh, personally, the lack of story hurts it a little bit because the story's a bit silly and it doesn't really matter. No one's very good at acting in it. Oh, maybe John Bullish is quite good in it, but no, there's nothing else going on. It is there for the music, but it's so much fun, and every bit of music is perfect in it, and it has good car, crash, car crashes and all that. So I'm going to go as high as an 8 for my rating out of 10 for the Blues Brothers. And Chris? Uh, surprisingly, for it being a musical, I quite liked it. The fact that, like has been mentioned, only Aretha Franklin's trust mm. is the proper only musical one that just randomly breaks in yeah. helps it. The fact that everybody else is like, well, let's test it. Like the songs are not random. They're, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps out for me quite a lot. Like the stunts and the car chase are awesome. Yeah. Um, like Jake tumbling down the stairs and stuff like that. It was, if it was him, brilliant. <laughs> I like the bedroom pulling. Uh, it's fun. Like he keeps coming up. It's a weird film, but yeah, I'd I'd watch it again. I'd give it a seven. A seven from Chris. Very good. Uh, some difficult maths here, so you guys want to fill a little bit. I'll try and work out what we're scoring. Fiddle, not, not fiddling, Chris. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of the songs are shit, like Many the Moocher or stuff like that. Many the Moocher is a banger. I think like, it was extended for a version Many the Moocher. It's a good song, but yeah, I think we got the extra long version of it. I always, I always forget that it goes into a kind of sort of weird dream sequence with yeah. this band, or they look different, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I quite like it. Uh, also, it comes in between a couple of good ones. So the final score is an eight, a very early marker for possible best film of the season. An eight out of ten for the Blues Brothers. Not much more to add to that. I think we all had a lot of fun. I feel like Chris scored Little Trump Horrors quite high as well. For a man who I hates know, he's musicals, the musicals. Two musicals we've done. Well, the did randomly break into song though. Yeah, it did, yeah. It was, uh, both of them are kind of comedies as much as they're musicals, you know what I'm saying? They're meant to be I silly. Two musicals. Not yeah. it's, it's not like, like Fat of the Opera kind of weird shit. This one's like, there's quite a lot <laughs> to it. Shits. Right, before we go yeah. into like our third hour of the podcast this week, we better get on to Andy's theme, if you have a guess. I'm not sure I've got a guess. Oh yeah, so my hints, I'll give you hints. Every mm-hmm. single film we've done this season fits my theme. Well, you mentioned earlier, lots of drops about John Belushi. Are your films all cocaine fueled? Uh, my guess is <laughs> no. <laughs> right, well, it came up last season as well. But, uh, I don't really have a guess, but it's tough on just, just the one film. I don't know if Chris is frozen or if he's deep in thought at the moment. He's but, think- uh, I think he's thinking. Thinking. Thinking about a guess. I don't know, he could be frozen. <laughs> I think he's going to be gone. We'll carry on without him and see if he comes back. So, on to next time, which is my selection, which Andy reminded me just before the podcast started that it was my pick. And it's the beginning of my theme, and I've literally pretty much picked my films to fit my theme. Uh, I think, out of five picks, I think I've only actually seen two of them all the way through. Oh. Uh, so, I've oh. got a bit of a mystery sort of... I was going to say, is your theme here. films you've not seen all the way through? <laughs> it is not, because I've seen two of them all the way through. So... I'm starting off with a genre we don't go too much to, and I certainly don't go to. It's a rom-com, 
romantic oh. comedy. It's early 90s, an era we do go to quite a lot. So in 1993, <laughs> com- comedy romance, romantic comedy, starring, let's see, the main star we have never done before. Chris has just confirmed that he has gone from the rest of the podcast, so we'll catch he, up. He, 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 he forgot to put 50p in the meter. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> energy bills are going up. Uh, right, so uh, the main star, the only person I really know of, is Michael Myers, as in Mike Myers, not the, the Halloween okay. guy. Mike Myers, the guy. So Mike Myers... It is the first film I remember knowing of him being in. It is a film called So I Married an Axe Murderer, uh, a comedy oh, film. I remember right. that film. I, I don't remember it, but yeah, I, I've heard of it. Aware of it. It's one yes. of these, yeah, it's, it's a name that I think carries, oh, yeah, I know that film, but not many people have necessarily seen it. And I don't believe I've seen it all the way through. So next week, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Find it if you can. I'm not sure if it's too easy to get. And we will catch you next time on the Template Podcast for that.